right, here we go. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Ben Milam. I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Patrick, how you doing? Doing all right. Glad to be here on this uh, episode zero, as you called it. <laughs> That's right, episode zero. We're still a little bit in a flux right now. I just moved to Hattiesburg, and I mean just, and so still have some equipment things to work out a little bit um, and some other things to figure out, but we figured we'd get one in before Saturday, which is game one. Yeah, 48 hours away. Yeah, That's right. We've got, was this, Appalachian State? ECU. And yep. ECU on right now in front of us. Uh, and so we'll talk a little bit about that South Alabama game. Obviously, last year, I mean, one of the more disappointing and just lethargic performances and just general football games I've watched uh, as a Southern Miss fan. I did what, I, as I was going through those statistics, uh, you, you look at obviously the, the first ones that jump out are South Alabama, you know, over 300 yards receiving and almost 200 yards rushing. I did want to talk about Jack Abraham, 22 for 32. No touchdowns, no interceptions, 315 yards, not a bad stat line, QBR of 54.7. Yeah, if I remember correctly, we had, you know, they scored on that first, like, or the second, second play of the game, I think. They had, mm-hmm. like, a little screen pass, went yep. 70-something yards, and then they had gotten ahead after a while, and we kind of got, I mean, I had actually left early. I was so afraid. Yep. <laughs> I, I had to take but, off. I yeah, think we were down 16, and then we might have gotten up. Uh, touchdown to get it within like 10 or we, we might have got it to eight and then they kicked the field goal to go up 11 to basically ice it uh, yep when they, what was the final score? was 32 21 i think right that's right it was yeah 13 it was 13 nothing i think right and then it was 13 10 at halftime just a brutal game all around and really so what i what i think will kind of pull out our you know keys to the game and where we think the game will be won here where we lost the game last year was in the trenches. That, yeah. Their defensive line got pushed all game long. Yeah. And they ran it pretty much all they wanted to. Didn't really need to run it because a couple of guys that they have coming back, actually, Jalen Tolbert, if, if you remember him. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's a guy. He's going to be a high draft pick. Will. I've seen a couple uh, couple publications have him as like a you know, second-round pick, uh, maybe you know third-round pick. So yep. he's going to be one of the better receivers uh, we'll probably see this year. Him yep. and John Mechie at Alabama. Yeah, and another NFL guy last year, Kawan Baker, who's on the Saints roster right, right now. And so this is, you know, I think I think a lot of Southern Miss people still, or, or maybe have had that the expectation of just kind of rolling over South Alabama, still have that, or maybe had that kind of come back with all of this excitement with Coach Hall. This this South Alabama roster has real talent. Uh, already had talent, and then eleven big transfers come in. I think seven or eight of those P five schools. Yeah, obviously Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley, you know he's a guy. Um, forgot what how, how many stars he had out of high school, but he was a big time recruit, mm-hmm. and he has you know a lot of experience at a you know SEC Pac twelve. You know he had a couple good starts last year at uh in Utah. I'm kind of surprised they didn't bring it back, but uh, yeah. You know, he's going to be their guy, six-year player. So, uh, you know, he's guy has a lot of experience uh, and, you know, has the tools. Um, I guess, you know, a lot of people say, well, Muschamp ruined him at, uh, at South Carolina. But, you know, his numbers at South Carolina are pretty good, though. So, I don't know. They were, yeah, they're good at South Carolina. He, he really just kind of had an okay year last year at Utah. Threw a lot of picks, but 
in the Sun Belt, I think he has a chance to have a great year. And he's honestly the type of guy who's who's going to throw for 500 yards against Southern Miss, just you know, yeah, out of nowhere and yeah, you know, P five guy. I didn't, I didn't know if you were going to say something. Um, and then and then Kareem Walker, Mississippi State transfer, who I I don't think anybody really expected him to start. Uh, he'll be the running back though, as number one on the depth chart for South Alabama. They. Carlos Davis was the guy last year, and he was supposed to be the the number one guy. Suspended though, I, I tried to find more information on the on, on that. I think I think it was a drug charge or something. Yeah, and then, and then he, I think he's in the transfer transfer portal at this point. Um, yeah, and then they've had I think a couple of JUCO guys. I know they had one JUCO yes. guy, or he might have been JUCO from two years ago. But they had a guy from uh, Gulf Coast that came yeah. in, but I think he just uh, defensive end or defensive lineman that. Uh, had an injury he's out for the year so i don't know where he i think he was supposed to start for him so i know that was a big uh big loss i was you know but yeah a lot of transfers uh uh they've kind of came in and womack and uh mm-hmm. apple white and them they've come in and uh, kind of revamped the roster a lot uh which you know you can kind of do now with the transfer portal you know you don't have to wait it used to be you know you know you say you got to wait three or four years to get your players in now you know it's really only one year that's right you know you can come in and you know basically free agency so uh that's right, and and Coach Womack has, I mean, he's done a fantastic job of kind of reinvigorating that roster. Lost some talent off of that roster last year, but uh, like I said, eleven Division One transfers. So I I I don't feel like this is going to be. You know, a lot of people are saying this is going to be a close game, and I I would agree with that. There's also a lot of Southern Miss people I think that expect this to be. A blowout. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, so, so keys to victory. Well, just kind of off the top of your head, what would you say? I think uh, stopping the run is going to be a big deal. Um, I think you know there's been some concerns about uh, defensive line depth. Uh, yeah. I think stopping the run is going to be a big deal. Make sure they can't set up that play action pass. Um, and then for us, I mean, I guess offensively, the passing game is. Uh, Still, I guess a little bit of a question. You know, Trey Lowe is the established starter, but I think there are some people that are still a little uneasy. You know, he had that great start against FAU. Uh, so I think just kind of watching to see if he can continue that. Um, and Because, uh, you know, I think the running game is going to be really good. You know, I think the offensive line has a lot of depth. I think, you know, Gore, obviously. and um, You know, he's a great back. So I think we'll be able to run the ball. I think it's just uh, being able to, you know, have an effective passing game uh, will be big. Yeah, so many unknowns, to say the least. I mean, both of these, both, you know, year one coaching staffs and, you know, you you return a lot if you're Coach Hall, but there was also still, it's it's kind of this interesting mix of you return a lot, but there's also a lot of turnover in those starting lineups on, on both sides of the ball, on the defensive line, you'll see that. Um, and so, yeah, with all of those unknowns, I think the keys to the game are those knowns, which I, I think one of those is the offensive line. I think that's – if you can if you can run the ball early, I think he'll, he'll really try to pound it early to establish the play action. I think you're going to be able to, to throw the ball. Uh, that South Alabama secondary was probably the worst – uh, position group on that defense last year so i the, the over or the over under 56 and a half i think was mid 50s yeah mid 50s somewhere around there i would not 
I, I, I am not going to put money on this game. Right. Yeah. I'm not a betting man <laughs> in this scenario uh, because of all those unknowns. But I would not feel bad about the over on this. I, I, I think there are going to be a lot of points scored. And I feel like you maybe disagree with that a little bit. Would you- yeah, I, I just think, you know, with South L, uh, I'm, I guess both putting in new offenses, I'm, you know, I think, New system, mm-hmm. first game of the year. I mean, the thing with, you know, a new staff is, you know, you get to know their uh, – I mean, we don't even know, you know, what kind of personnel packages Hall likes to – I right. mean, you know, you go back to his time at Tulane and West Georgia, but, you know, you don't really know their tendencies just yet until, sure. you know, get a couple games in. So that's kind of one of the things I'm looking for, the personnel packages, you know, how aggressive is he going to be on first down in terms of passing the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of things. Um, so those are, you know, with the new play caller, new coaching staff, those are kind of the things we're going to be looking for early that uh, you get from a new staff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think where I'm basing the, the you know, amount of points scored, I think there'll be a lot, is really the, the, the biggest question marks for both South Alabama and Southern Miss are the defenses, uh, defensive line, really for both. Uh, you know, you lose – Two, uh, both starting defensive end and defensive tackle for South Alabama. Um, believe it was in fall camp. Maybe one of those was in in the spring. And then Eric Kitchens and Tosh Sykes have both dealt with injuries. And I think you know, it, again, it, like you said, it'll be really interesting to see how uh, they use personnel in certain situations. I think you're you're going to see them be pretty cautious with guys like that. You saw Hayes Maples uh, was listed as the backup middle linebacker. And, um, you know, we all know he's, you know, one of he's the guy at middle linebacker, but the question is his health. And so uh, I I think there are going to be a lot of points scored because of the injuries and uh, maybe the unknowns on those defensive sides of the ball. But we'll see. I, I think it'll be a really close game regardless. Yeah. I think it'll be a back-and-forth thing. Uh, one thing you can't do if your Southern Miss is get down early uh, and, and lose some of that momentum because you're playing in Mobile. And, uh, you know, this is this is a young team. It's got a lot of talent. But, you know, I think a team like that can lose confidence quickly and, and against so many unknowns. Uh, can't get down big early. Um and so, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm going to refrain from making a prediction. I don't know if you. you I'm know, I'm saying 27-17 USM. Okay. But, uh, I think uh, I think defense or special teams are going to score a touchdown. I don't know if it's going to be a could be a pick six, could be a block punt, could be a fumble recovery. But I think we're going to see a uh, a defensive touchdown or defense or special teams touchdown sometime yes. uh, in the game that. Uh, it gives us a big lift, so that's kind of my bold prediction. For, okay, uh, yeah, I like that, and I'm I'm gonna make a prediction because you made a prediction. Okay, I'll go 38-31. Oh wow! Miss. Again, I think a lot of points are gonna be scored. I I really hope I'm wrong because I think the again the biggest concern is the defense. I think the secondary will be much much improved just from watching them at practice. Um, the addition of Jay Stanley, Lakevius Daniel, guys like that. You really only lose Kyle Hemby right. off of that secondary. Um, and so I, I hope my prediction is wrong. I hope we don't see that many points on the board. But I could uh, see it. I, I, I mean, this, you know, the thing is, we, you know, we're talking about new tendencies with the coach staff. You know, we got a, 
28-year-old defense coordinator, you know, we don't, and he, I don't think he's ever called plays before, so we don't, that's going to be another thing to watch, not only offensive personnel tendencies, but uh, defensive personnel tendencies, and, you know, the way he uses players, the way he calls plays, we really have nothing to go by, even Hall, you know, you can go back and watch film from 2013, West Georgia against, you know, Colorado State, Pueblo, I think I watched one of those games uh, back in, like, February, just to kind of see what... The way he calls plays when he was the head coach, I mean, you can't really do that with Armstrong. You know, he was uh, under Ron Roberts at, uh, at Lafayette. Um, I know he thinks of him as a as a mentor. So, I mean, that's maybe a way you can uh, know what he's going to – the type of defense he wants to run. But, you know, you really don't have a lot to look, um, look at. So, uh, that's another thing, just one of the parts of uh, having a new staff. That's right, and – yeah, just unknowns all over the place. I think I think you're going to have to be really aggressive with how thin you are on, on at the defensive line group. And so I think we'll see a lot of multiple packages, a lot of blisses, um, and especially with a guy like Jake Bentley, um, I, I think the goal will be to get pressure on him early. Um, and so, yeah, w- we will see. Um, you know, I, I, that is – that is going to be – it's interesting because I don't think you get a measuring stick game in game one typically. Right. But when you – you're up against, I would say, a pretty similarly talented yeah. roster. S- similar rosters, yeah. Similar roster. And, and the goal is, is you know, to not be similarly talented when you're playing South Alabama. But that's, right. that's the spot yeah. you're in right now yeah. in both first-year coaching staffs. And so – uh, I think it'll be a measuring stick game. It, you know, in in any game one, it's it's all about, uh, or so much of it is about. And Coach Hall said this the other day. It's it's about in game adjustments, and mm-hmm. so we'll see how this staff adjusts in game. I think you know that was a big knock on the previous staff, um, and so yeah, a, a ton to look for. So many storylines. Uh, Jalen Tolbert hopefully doesn't have 170 yards receiving. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this game. Jalen Wayne is the other guy who was over yeah. 100 yards. He's back, and and so I, that's that's another thing to look for. Um, it was either Coach Hall or Coach Armstrong who said we're going to try to play man when we can, and if not, we're going to go to the zone. So I think you'll see a lot of the zone. Yeah. So that'll be uh, that'll be exciting to see. Um, one of the more to me intriguing game ones season openers uh, that we've had in the last. Four or five years. Uh, yeah, th- there was a stretch, you know, from 2014 to 2017. We opened up with four straight. Um, we opened up with an SEC team in all um, four of those seasons. So it wasn't, you know, I don't think that's a great way to gauge your team, you know, no. playing that SEC team. And then 2018 and 2019, you played. 2018 was Jackson State. 2019 was Alcorn. So, you you know, that's the teams you're supposed to be a lot better than. Right. So I think when you're playing a South Alabama or a team like that, uh, it's, uh, you know, a lot better uh, barometer of the team you have and kind of uh, as a predictor for the season going forward. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'd rather play South Alabama than uh, Alabama in the uh, first game. Or, you know, Grambling, for that matter. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, Okay, so we'll move on. Do we want to talk about the expansion news that kind of came out today? Yeah, yeah, we we can touch on that. Okay, so if you you didn't see an athletic article came out, and I forget who it was. Andy Staples, I think. That's right. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, BYU. Yes. Yep. Said to be the four targeted. The schools. front runners. That's right. What's the initial reaction? 
Uh, well, I think the initial reaction is uh, I think Memphis, ECU, and Tulane are uh, in a little bit of cope mode right now. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of funny to reading uh, Memphis message board. They're like, yeah, oh. you know, should we go Should we go Big East, pull the UConn, go Big East for basketball and all the other sports, we go independent and football, or should we join the Mountain West? Uh, so it does kind of remind me of uh, us about 10, year- <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that could, you know, there's going to be a trickle-down effect. I think uh, the thing I'm kind of go back to is if you're a Sunbelt team or, uh, I mean, maybe not CUSA, I mean, Sunbelt at this point is probably the second-best group of five league. So if you're a Sunbelt team and let's say uh, Cincinnati, um, UCF, and Houston all leave, then um, so you have that leaves you with eight football teams left, and I think at that point you may have Navy will go independent. There has been some talk mm-hmm. of that even yeah. before, even before this um, realignment. Uh, so they go back to independence. That's seven members. I mean, at that point, do you kind of you stick it on the Sun Belt? Because I know they were talking about like App State or someone like that joining. Right. Um, so if you if you're in App State, do you stick it out in the Sun Belt or do you join the AAC? I don't know. I mean, it even gets to the point where you know. I mean, this would be a long shot, but like if SMU or Tulsa decided to join the Mountain West or something, then, you know, it's really a free-for-all. But uh, I don't know. I think, um, you know, I think the top – I was reading something a while back. They said UAB and uh, UAB and Georgia State were uh, kind of the two of the teams that the AAC was eyeballing. Mm. And those teams kind of fit the uh, AAC model of big city, big enrollment, right. uh, you know, that they've typically gone for in the past with, you know, UCF and those kind of schools. So – um, you know, I, I, I'd love to be in the AAC. I'd love to be back with Memphis and ECU and, uh, Tulane. Uh, but you know, until it happens, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. It's kind of like, I hope I got the right, uh, comparison. It was like, what's it in Moby Dick, the white whale, where he tries to find the white whale. Yeah. That's what I felt like USM, uh, joining the AAC is. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's been like that my entire life. We're trying to get in the AAC and it's never happened. So, um, yes. And I think with (laughs) as many times as, as stuff like this has come out, obviously, you know, in, in 2012, it was the same thing of all these people saying, this is, you know, finally the chance and, oh, you know, where's, where's McGillis? Is he, you know, is he in Texas talking to big 12 people and, I remember the rumor in uh, 2016 he was at the uh, conference about AAC tournament yes, in yes. Orlando. I remember that well. Yes. And uh, the photoshopped Big 12 uh, oh, yeah. photo background of uh, the Southern Miss logo on there. and uh, So I so I think I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I think that's a good attitude to hold if you're a Southern Miss fan. And, and it's, it's, it's also part of the fun and, uh, you know, just – the pure insanity of being a Southern Miss person. Yeah. All these rumors mm-hmm. flying around constantly. And I think people probably are trying to avoid maybe what is likely to happen of us kind of getting left behind again by continuing <laughs> to stir those rumors. Uh, and so, yeah, to me, it's part of the fun. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, let's say UAB and, and Georgia state do get in the AAC. I mean, at that point, I think, you know, we got to try to beg our way to get into the uh, Sun Belt with uh, La Tech or somebody. I know La Tech kind of has a superiority complex with uh, Lafayette and ULM, uh, but maybe you try to get them in the Sun Belt. I mean, it's a 12-team league, and assuming uh, the AAC doesn't uh, add any Sun Belt teams because, you know, a lot of those Sun Belt te- I mean, I guess, or I guess Georgia State would be in the Sun Belt, but, you know, most of those Sun Belt teams, they don't really fit the uh, institutional model 
uh, that the AC is looking for, you know, the big cities, the big markets, the, uh, you know, big schools, basically, you know, the big commuter schools, basically, right. like, you know, 40,000 students or what have you. Um, so, I mean, I really think out of the Sun Belt, the only team that could maybe go to the AAC would be Georgia State. Um, you know, you think of App State, uh, and they're kind of like we are. Um, you know, they kind of have that tradition of winning, and they've been really good here um, lately. But they are in a small town, um, you know, but they got they got a pretty good fan base. So, I mean, they could be a, maybe a dark horse to look out for. I mean, I guess it depends on how many teams the AAC wants to add. So, you know, if those three schools leave and the Navy leaves, that's seven teams. Right. So then, you know, you had UAB and Georgia State, that's nine. So at nine teams, you can have an eight-team schedule round robin. So they may just stay there. I don't. I guess I don't, they might have to apply for a waiver to get a conference uh, championship in nine teams like the Big 12 does with uh, ten teams. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on how many teams they want to add and um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, and a lot goes out the window, too. I, I think – it's going to it's going to get to a point of just survival, um, and I think you know you talked about the the model of the AAC and what they look for in schools. I think part of that goes out the window if you lose those four that were mentioned, um, and it, it just kind of becomes survival mode. And it's also interesting to look at. You know, there's been talk of the Big Twelve adding, um, you know, getting up to sixteen again, and so you're that's adding eight teams. Um, and you know where those team comes from, but those are likely not all from the AAC. Uh, Pac-12, I think it was last week, maybe said they yes. were staying at twelve. Yes, they were staying at twelve. Um, and so this today was probably a response to that of saying, okay, you know they're not going to take any more of us, and so we're we're going to have to either add or disband. And so uh, they think they're well. I was just you know thinking. Well, maybe the Big Ten comes in and adds Kansas right, or somebody. Right. I mean, the, the Big Ten and AEC have not said anything about adding uh, any uh, – or they have not said – put out a statement like the Pac-12 has where they said they're not going to add any more teams. So, I mean, I guess it's an option where the Big Ten could come in and add uh, Kansas yes. and Iowa State. I mean, I don't could know. Could be, yeah. Um, but I think the Pac-12 made the decision that, uh, that, that the Big 12 made a couple of years ago was that if these teams that they're bringing in and we're not going to bring them any more money um, – in terms of per team, that the TV contract um, might go up a little bit, but once you add those new uh, mouths to the pie, I guess uh, it would not come out to more money for the uh, for the league. And I think that's the decision that the Big Twelve or the that the Pac twelve none of those Big Twelve schools were going to add um, much right. uh, to their bottom line. Yeah, so uh, that'll be really interesting. And another interesting thing to watch for um, is do they go to 12 or 16 and I think it'll be uh, 12 I, I, I think that makes the most sense I really do and um, another thing in that article that was mentioned is uh, a lot of people are saying this is going to happen a lot sooner I I really believe that Oklahoma and Texas buy out their contract to the Big 12 because I, I think they want to uh, move quickly and all of these pieces that are kind of falling behind them, I think lends itself to them not waiting till 2025. Yeah. I think probably the latest scenario, the latest scenario would be their last year would be 2023 in terms mm-hmm. of football. Right. Um, and they would be playing the SEC 24. I think that's the worst case scenario for those uh, two schools. But I think, you know, obviously the SEC has, you know, kind of controls the timetable here. The quicker those schools can get in the SEC, um, you know, the quicker that the Big 12 starts adding AAC and BYU team or 
BYU and the AAC schools. Um, so, yeah, I guess the SEC um, expansion, they kind of hold all the cards uh, with Ray Lyman. Yeah, and I've got a feeling that this is not the last time that conference expansion is going to come up. We'll probably touch on it again uh, because, I mean, it, it affects everyone uh, yeah. and everybody. And like you said, there'll be a trickle-down effect. So uh, we'll move on quickly and touch on basketball. Men's basketball came out with a schedule today. Uh, some winnable games. The non-conference highlights TCU, East Carolina, Lafayette at home. Uh, am I missing any yeah, the, I mean, the, yeah, the big one, I guess, is TCU. Um, you know, East, like you said, ECU on the road. The bye games are TCU and uh, ECU, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. the two money games, I think, are the only ones. And then uh, you play at a, uh, a multi-team event at uh, Montana. So you have Montana, uh, UC San Diego, which is a transitional D1 program uh, out of the, uh, I guess, the Big West. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, North Carolina Wilmington. Uh, so, you know, there's really a lot of winnable games. I mean, even TCU, they were, you know, they were kind of barely a top 100 team, I think, uh, projected based on the uh, based on the roster projections. There's a, a website out there called uh, Bart Torvik, and it basically takes into account your returning production and, you know, your recruiting class and your transfers and, you know, plugs it into a formula and comes out with a preseason thing. And I think TCU was mid-80s. Uh, I think behind them on our schedule, I think Lafayette was top 150. But, uh, you know, you get a couple D1 games at home, which, you know, you really haven't, you know, during the dock years, you didn't have a lot of those. So, I mean, you do have Lafayette, you have Jacksonville, and you have, uh, what was the third one that was at home? Uh, 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 Lamar, I think. Yes. South Alabama was away. I was thinking that was at home. Okay. Um, so, I yep. mean, you have a couple, uh, you know, decent games at home, uh, some winnable games, and, you know, if the team is, you know, if the team is competitive, you know, let's say middle of the pack CUSA, you know, this is a schedule where, um, you know, you can expect to, you know, win several games or, you know, break 500 against uh, the Division One opponents, you know, you know, excluding William Carey and uh, Loyola. Uh, you know, yeah, so, you know, if the team uh, – you have a decent squad this year. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that uh, – or this is a schedule, rather, uh, where you can uh, rack up some Ws early on. Yeah, and I, and I think that's probably the approach for Ladner is, okay, we we need to, to start building some momentum um, and, and not, you know, have bye games against Arizona and UCLA and, and whoever yeah. else. And those – even the bye games are winnable. Um and, you know, I, I think that is an important aspect of the schedule is there are very few stretches where you don't feel like you can come out 500 or better. And uh, that's important for recruiting and building momentum and fan interest. And, um, you know, that's just obviously last year was, was you know, a, a kind of an anomaly um, as far as COVID. But I think you're getting to the, to the point with Ladner where you have to start building some momentum. And I, and I think that schedule, mm-hmm. you know, lends itself to that opportunity. Right. And, you know, you see USA, you, unless you're, you know, playing at a level that middle Tennessee was uh, a couple of years ago, you're not going to get an at large bid. Right. So you don't have to worry about, you know, the net ratings like, Oh, you know, if we lose this or net ratings going to go down uh, yeah. wherever, you know, it doesn't really, I mean, it's basically, a you know, the non-conference at our level, I mean, it's basically almost a warm up for the conference season right. where you can, you know, position yourself for a top four seed in the bye, which, uh, you know, usually really, you know, the team, 
that wins the tournament almost always has to buy uh, yep. that first round buy in the tournament. So that's kind of what you're playing for um, in conference USA in terms of the regular season. Um, so the non-conference is kind of just uh, kind of prepping for that almost, just prepping for uh, January, uh, February, and then uh, that one week in uh, March in Frisco. Yep. So I, I I like that schedule. It's it's light enough with uh, I think some good non-conference uh, by games in there. A couple months away from that. Um, before we wrap up, um, UAB last night. We've already had a couple games. Need to check the Western Kentucky score. They were in trouble against UT yeah. Martin. We'll get Patrick. You can do that. Um, the fighting Keon Howard's at uh, UT. That's Martin. right. That's right. QB one. At UT Martin, we'll get that score uh, in just a second. 21-7 Western Kentucky. Yeah. And then uh, okay. FIU uh, was up 28-7 against uh, Long Island. So uh, that's a good, that's a that's a solid win for FIU. Feel good for them. They were winless right, last year. Yes, they? they actually lost to uh, Jacksonville State. That was that's kind right. of the, one of the things that I was coming back to. I was like, well, you know, Jacksonville State they could beat UAB because they beat FIU, mm-hmm. and you know, FIU was probably if they were in FCS, they probably would have been like an average. Yeah. Average FCS team, probably. I haven't looked at the Sagarin rankings or S&P Plus or any of those things um, for FIU, but I'm guessing they probably would have been middle of the pack in FCS. So. Yep, I think you're right. So, big win for uh, the Panthers. And just CUSA as a whole feels like it should be better than last year. I mean, last year was historically bad. Um, obviously, you, you know, the bottom dweller, dwellers were – you know, the worst, probably the worst in college football, FIU uh, and a few others there. But it, it feels like there should be somewhat of an uptick. UAB, I, I think, you know, you mentioned it last night at, at, on Twitter. Um, good win for them. I'm not sure Jacksonville State will be as good as they were last year. But, you know, to, to have a shutout 31 nothing in game one, at, you know, at UAB I think will be near the top again. Marshall obviously – uh, so, to me, there should be an uptick. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the games I'm kind of looking at uh, this week is UTSA and uh, Illinois. That's right. Uh, you know, Illinois, they're kind of on a high, I guess, because they were kind of the big game last week, uh, beating Nebraska. Uh, they have Burt Bielema there, you know, the guy we thought we were going to hire for about 12 yeah, hours. Yes. Everybody thought he was at Ward signing the contract. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, you know, I think that was kind of a pretty low line. It was only about Illinois was only about five and a half point favorite. So, but UTSA has gotten a lot of hype. They have uh, Jeff Trailer there, who's kind of a Will Hall type in the sense that he has deep connections uh, within the Texas high school mm-hmm. uh, ranks. There, he was actually a high school coach there for a long time, and then he, I believe, he became like the uh, Texas uh, Texas Longhorns, uh, the director of high school relations or something. Then he went. To become a special teams coach at Arkansas, I think, or some kind of position coach there. And then he took the UTSA job. So I think a lot of people were kind of wondering why they hired a special teams coach from, you know, uh, at the time, uh, you know, Arkansas was really doing uh, bad under, I guess it was Chad Morris mm-hmm. was there then. Uh, but he had a real good first year there. Um, you know, like I said, he has a lot of connections uh, within Texas, kind of in the same way that Hall has in Mississippi. So uh, that's the team uh, kind of on the rise. So curious to see how they do in a pretty winnable uh, game against a you know, Big Ten team. Yeah, I do too. And and I've seen some people project them to win 10 games. I'm not sure they'll get to 10, but I, I do think they'll compete for the division. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, like, uh, they're, they're kind of another roster 
that returns a lot of talent and also got some influx, uh, some transfers in there. Obviously, Sincere and McCormick, chance to be an All-American running back. Um, probably one of the best 10 running backs in the country, in my mind. Um, so them against Illinois will be really interesting to watch, and obviously them the rest of the year. Um, any other games that we need to touch on? Uh, La Tech and State. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I think... I think La Tech, you know, everybody kind of brought back a lot of uh, production just because of the super seniors thing. But I right. think La Tech brought fewer than most. I know they have a transfer quarterback coming in mm-hmm. from uh, – I can't remember where he came from, unfortunately. But uh, they have, they brought in a transfer quarterback. So uh, they're supposed to be not quite as good as they have been. I think pretty much every publication has them – or every computer, every publication has them finishing third. But they do go to Starkville. Uh, that could, you know, be interesting for a little while. Um, of course, yeah. Yeah, first quarter. First, that's, first quarter, first that's, half. That's the kind of game where, you know, you kind of look at ESPN and it's early second quarter. And it's like, oh, La Tech's up 10-7. And you start <laughs> tweeting out like, oh, La Tech's going to beat State. And then the score 21 on ASR yep. at the end of the second quarter. And the final score is like 52-21. to 21, And the barking dog fans come in your mentions and start saying, oh, you were wrong about this one. And then you get it like on. Yeah, you, you go viral or yep. within the state at least. But, uh yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. But I, yeah, that uh, uh, Mississippi State picked, uh, I think, to be dead last or at least 11th. Them or Arkansas. Them or Arkansas in the media day poll, coaches poll. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I don't think that one is going to be particularly close. Like you said, I don't think Lot Tech will be uh, quite what they will be. I, I, not that there'll be a non-factor in the West, because you know I I, I think um, I, I think they'll compete. I don't think they yeah. fall off that much. Well, it's, um, you know Skip Pulse, he's always going to have La Tech in the mix. Right. Uh, you know he's kind of like a uh, a Hobson on steroids, in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, a bet a better version of Hobson. Like he's never gonna, you know, he's not going to get you to eleven wins or twelve wins and kind of in the hunt for that uh, New Year's Six Bowl. But he's going to get you eight or nine wins. Sure. And he'll get you to the uh, you know the heart of Dallas ball or like the New Mexico ball or something, and uh, so that's kind of where a lot of tech is. But yeah, they'll be competitive with that now. The division for sure, they'll be there in November. I'm guessing. So, yep. So we'll be watching that all weekend, full slate. I don't even I don't even know that I said that this is buzzardry. This is this is not <laughs> another Southern Miss podcast, right? Because there a few have popped up, you know, over the last year or two. Some good ones. Yeah. Uh, this is not a Southern Miss podcast. This is a Mustard Buzzard podcast. Mustard Buzzard. Yes. So, uh, this is episode zero. It has been episode zero. If you can't tell, we're a little all over the place uh, with the move and trying to squeeze it in before Saturday. Um, I'm hoping it will be a, a, you know, a little more organized. And we're going to try to do uh, live episodes on Sundays post uh, a, you know Saturday game day weekends. And so uh, we will be on Twitter. Um, we'll put that out on our, our personal Twitter pages. Uh, so you all be on the lookout for that. And uh, should, Yeah, there should be yeah. a uh, – I guess this will be on uh, Podbean. Yes. There should be an RS I'm, – I'm guessing – I don't know if it will be tonight or – Tomorrow morning or Hopefully whenever. tonight. Okay, yeah. So I'll tweet out a, an RSS feed, which you can plug in uh, to your Apple. I don't know if it uh, works on uh, 
on the Spotify. I've, I've listened to podcasts on Spotify, but I don't think I've ever tried the RSS feed on there. But I guess you know until we can get on the uh, the big platforms like uh, Apple and Spotify, you just plug uh, that RSS feed uh, into your um, Apple Podcast, um, and it should pull up. But, I think uh, you, you can actually. You can listen, listen to it on yes. the website Podbean. Yes, uh, so, yeah. I was just saying, you know, some people like listen on Apple. Yes, but yeah. and so yeah, and it won't. It, it will. We'll get it on there soon, um, and we will have uh, a little bit more organized both content and editing, and we're going to have a drop and an intro and an outro. So y'all stick with us. Uh, plan is to go up from here, but this has been Buzzardry, Patrick. Thanks for being with me. Great to be on. See you all very soon.